This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is Jeff Gobb here at PWG for Tremendous, I don't even know the name of the show, but you're listening to Busted Wide Open. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, our patron mailbag series, episode number three. 30! We made it for 30 mm. weeks! My name yeah. is Nick Howell. And I am Surrey and Dangerous, and welcome to our mailbag episode where we answer the questions that you send to us and ask for us to give you our responses to. Of course, you being all of our patrons. Yes. And if you'd like to ask us a question and you're not a patron, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash BWO and sign up for one of our tiers and you too can ask us a question and have it answered on this very show, just as we are going to do today, Nick. And I'm fired up. So I, I, I am. I understand we have some good ones today. Yes, there uh, are, some as we always do. But, very good but, ones know, for sure. But I am excited to answer them as they. As sometimes, Nick, I'm not going to lie. My brain hurts after the show. Yeah, I got to. I got to delve deep on some of these. So I like. The, not to I mention like the, the fact challenge. that we just finished two hours of breakdown for the entire week of of pro well, wrestling. That's, that's but, beside the point. Yeah, yeah. Beside the point. Yeah. But. Thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, Nick, where else can they find us? And uh, and then let's answer some questions and let's do this. All of these links can be found over at BWOPodcast.com, but make sure you're in our Facebook discussion group. Make sure you're in our Discord, which you can find links to in the bottom of uh, the description below here as well on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube or pinned across any of our social media profiles. Uh, get in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. Get into Discord. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast. Uh, subscribe to us here on youtube.com slash busted wide open where we stream live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern and make sure you got your notifications turned on because you don't want to miss one they're really good and the chat is already you guys are just lively yeah already back in here uh, last but certainly not least, as you said, patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers. And to get your questions in every week, it's just $5 a month. Not only do you get to the, the ability to do that, but you can participate in our patron pick'ems challenge for the big four WWE pay-per-views when they come up. The next one, SummerSlam, here in a few months. We'll see how the world has changed in the next 90 days as we get closer and closer to the August time frame for SummerSlam. But that will be the next one. The current reigning defending champion, Robbie R.B. from WrestleMania, 
is our new new uh, and current champion after his putting on the line. victory at WrestleMania. We'll be defending it for the first time at SummerSlam. But you can get all of that plus a copy of the show notes for every single episode at just a $5 tier. $10 is the value tier where you get all of that plus a bonus episode every single month. Many more options above and beyond that. Patreon.com slash BWO. But Ian, let's kick off the questions mm. today because we have we has many. We has many today. We're going to kick things off with Edward asking, assuming that Apollo Crews does turn heel and starts a stable managed by MVP, wishful thinking, which female superstar would you put in an MVP stable and why? Which female superstar would I put in an MVP? St- female superstar in an MVP stable? Yeah. Bianca Belair. Uh, but that's obviously she's got so much else going on right now that that wouldn't work. Um, but I would, because of MVP's gimmick, uh, someone very athletic, someone who's strong, um, and has an attitude. And that's when I thought of those three things, the first thing that popped in my head was Bianca Belair, even though, like I said, she's got something else going on right now, but let's say it's six months down the road and you want her to turn on the street profits. Uh, if MVP does have a stable like that, like that, she'd be a perfect fit. Um, so need to build for me. Yeah, Sonya'd be, again, again, cocky, Basically strong, what you just rattled off, yeah. Athletic. Yeah, Sonya Deville, another great one. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. Andy this says is, Ruby Riot. I agree with that one as well. I think she would also do very well. I want to see her actually have a singles run, though, Andy. Like I don't know. Once. I don't know. Image-wise, I don't think she'd fit into what MVP brings. You know what I mean? Like, again, I'm thinking of the manager. I don't know if she would visually fit with that. Yeah, good point. I don't know. Good question, Edward. Thank you for that one. Uh, Next up, Martin coming in from across the pond. I had a much better week this week. I'm glad to hear it, man. Glad to hear it. Thank you for being cool and handsome, but mostly handsome and cool. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Now for the question, who do you see as the next Cena Triple H Hulk, as in the next bearer of the golden shovel? Hmm. Drew McIntyre, ironically. But the thing is, is that... um, these days, I don't know if there's as much politicking as there was back in the day. Even even with Cena, as late as like 2011, 2012, we heard of his politicking. Um, and I don't know that there is that same culture anymore of, yeah. of people backstage pulling on Vince's ear for their own gain. Um, I've heard some stories about Seth, but at the same time, he seems to be pretty generous overall with his win and loss records and you know so i don't know if the golden shovel even applies anymore it's a different company they're hiring different people they're hiring people that want to build everybody up and make everybody better because they've come up through the indies and so there's not that mentality of you know i want to be the top dog and everyone else can kiss my ass it's just all about me um and i'm trying to go through the all the rosters and i can't think of anybody who, I mean, maybe Brock, but even then, that's more just like, that. he's already, yeah, he's, he's already done that. I would say Brock over the last few years has been Mr. Golden Shovel. Well, let's put aside but, the Golden Shovel for a minute. Who do you see just being the next Cena, Triple H, Hulk Hogan type of figurehead atop the mountain of, of WWE? It's, it's, look, when, when Drew McIntyre won the NXT championship after his return, looking the way that he did, I went, oh, Oh, hi. Yeah, you're going to be the next one. 
I, I've had I had him picked out a long time ago. So I'm anxious to see if where Drew McIntyre is ten years from now. Is he going to have one of those long legendary runs that we all kind of hope he he has, or do we have somebody else? It's they've tried with Roman. I think Roman is a failed experiment. Uh, do you I think at this I, point? I, I do. I, I think that they and let's the, before the leukemia resurgence ever happened. Right, it, it's they tried and failed and tried and failed and tried and failed and tried and failed. It never, even when he did win, huh. it was mostly just meh. Right, there wasn't this overjoyed thing. I thought Daniel Bryan might turn that ship around, but that ended very quickly, unfortunately. Um, and, and frankly, he's—I don't think he's a big enough guy, to be fair. What Daniel Bryan? Yeah, big stature, or what do you mean? Well, when you stand him next to Hulk Hogan, Triple H, and John Cena. Big enough in stature, yes. Wow. Um, so you're saying he's a B-plus player, Nick? Wow. That's not what I said. I'm just, I'm just saying. That is not what I said. I'm looking at this as, like. as a chiseled figurehead of someone that you want at the top. And I feel like Roman was a failed experiment. I think Drew McIntyre is the archetype, exactly, of what you want this next... Do you think though be. that Drew, because he's already getting, he already is getting a super push, and he's he's destroying dudes, you know, sure. to make to put him on Brock's level because Brock was, you know, as I was just saying, kind of the modern golden shovel guy. Is Drew the next guy to be the top guy and get that super push? You know, like Roman got a super push, like Cena got a super push, even if he's not backstage politicking for it. Vince believes that that's the kind of push you have to give a guy, a warrior, a, a Hulk Hogan. You have to give them that, that kind of or Lex Luger, right? Give him that obnoxious super babyface push to make them the top guy. So you're saying Drew might be that guy, even if he's not backstage politicking for it. That's what you're saying. Yep, I, I think he's. I think he has, or shortly will be, anointed as the next one. All right. Yep. Thank you very much. Or did you have one? I, you, you took the words out of my mouth. Right. If, if you're taking away the whole idea of backstage politicking, it's going to be Drew. Yeah. Um. And I, I think they've been waiting it for seems that way now. breath for him to come back in this condition and in this form. And, and the right time to put him in the right place, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Agreed. Thank you, Martin. I'm glad you're doing well, man. Good to hear it. Next up, Brandon asks, who would you guys add to Los Ingobernables de WWE from any brand in WWE, and how would you add them? I mean, it'd be easy to add them. Zelina just says, you know, I found somebody else. Basically, the way they've added most of the guys – so far, where she's like, ah, and here's uh, Angel Garza. Yeah. 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 Hey, you, here's right. this guy from Evolve, Austin Theory. Yeah, he'll, he'll work. <laughs> uh, Brandon said from WWE only. Uh, let's see. From any brand in WWE. Okay. And how would so you, I can't, how I would can't you say them? Rush. I can't say no, Rush. No. Damn. Okay. That would be my number one for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've got an Andrade. We've got a. We've got Andrade, we've got Angel Garza, we've got Austin Theory. Uh, I don't know if any... So, I don't want to directly contrast them with Los Ingobernables de Japón, but I argue that that is the most successful version of Ingobernables, except for the original trio. That them right now, that, that stable, aside from being one of the greatest stables in the world, if you think about the different dynamics of the guys in that stable, like everything that each guy brings to the table, you know, you're talking about like a bunch of guys who could conceivably be main eventers, every single one. 
um, and for two of them in their own division. You know, you've got uh, um, both Bushi and Hiromu uh, could easily be main eventers and have been of the junior division. Um, Takagi has been the headliner for the junior division and could easily headline the heavyweights now that he's a heavyweight. Sonata, Evil, and of course Naito right now is double champ. So they are the most technically the most powerful faction in New Japan. I've got to re- I, we haven't done New Japan in a while, so I have to check. But I believe they're also um, right now never trios champs. Everyone's got a belt, I believe. Poor Sonata, he does not. <laughs> Poor Sonata, no. Sonata does not have a belt. Hiromu is the junior champ. Um, so I wonder if they need someone like a Hiromu or a Bushi, like a smaller guy. Like I, I would have said, the Leo Rush. That Garza feels fills. You think Garza fills those? So I, I think yeah. Andrade is your big guy. I think um, uh, Garza is your cruiserweight. And you kind of have to figure out what you, is your your Austin Theory is your U.S. title slash intercontinental guy. Your mid another is kind of like their Theory's kind of like their Sonata. He's kind of bland. He's ridiculously good looking, and he's actually incredibly talented once you break him down. Uh, but he needs a little bit more character. Like he's their Sonata. Any good sure. faction needs a tag team, and I see the chat talking about this too. I was waiting. This is where I was yeah. going. I would do something. To, if you really want to like put your stamp on LIW, flip Lucha House Party and have Lindsay Dorado and Grand Metalik as a sort of heel dick tag team, but incredibly talented. Like they were absent this week. You had Miz and Morrison on commentary, and you had Forgotten right. Sons and New Day having the match. Usos not there for reasons, but they had them all out there last week. I'm sitting here going, you you got nothing to do with Lindsay and Metalik, and I'm sitting here going, that would be, that would be kind of awesome. Yeah, because, and maybe they're the only ones that wear masks as part of Los Ingobernables. I, I think that would I, be pretty. Yeah, awesome. I hesitate to make it an all Latino group, minus of course Austin Theory, but that that would be a good fit. But I feel like they need a couple of like genuinely bigger guys. Andrade's not a bigger guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they need a hoss or two. Takagi's a, a, in Japan at least is a hoss. Oh, Evil's yeah. a hoss in Japan. Yeah, they need some bigger dudes. Yeah. Um, no, they'd have they to flip them, repackage them, all that dudes. stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think that could work really well, and it'd give them something new to do besides carrying pinatas out to the ring and being goofy. And sure. <laughs> but know, the just, the part of the thing about Los Ingobernables, Los Ingobernables de Japón is they're all so cool, right? They're too cool for school. Every single one of them. There's that picture they had recently with all their belts all sitting. They're all sitting around just like in suits, just being way too cool. Just being and right, dicks. I just, love it. Just, oh, yeah. They're, they're anti-heroes, you know, but the whole idea is they're just, they're, they're cool as hell. And I feel like, obviously, just because of WWE's booking, we haven't really seen that with with these guys in WWE yet, but you want to have guys that could have that potential. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever felt that potential from Lindsay and Metalik. Like they could just be the coolest guys in the room. You know what I mean? Maybe if I because I have a I have a I have a thing for like a nice three piece suit and a luchador mask. That's like my favorite thing ever. I think it's because I was raised on Blue Demon, always coming out in that real like the perfectly tailored suit with this awesome, very clean-looking lucha mask. That's one of the greatest goddamn looks ever. It really is. 
having them come out in a suit might totally change my opinion on them. <laughs> um, but aside from that, I'm trying to think what other, like if you're saying tag teams, I don't know. I, this is one I'd have to marinate on because I'm, I, 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 I don't know if I want to build it on the foundation of Los Angobernados de Japón or create a whole new faction in WWE, like a new look at it. Yeah. Um, obviously, Andrade has to be in it because he is, he's Tranquilo. He's the original. He's, he's one Lesson of the originators. Yeah. He's the, one of the original guys. You know? um, and, and to your point, I think that Andrade, uh, Garza, and Theory already have that too cool for school vibe, so it fits. They already yes, kind of have agreed. that going on. They all um, look really good in a suit. Um, so they all three can pull that off for sure. I'm trying to think about NXT now. Like if there's anyone in NXT who would fit right in. No, they're pushing the two big Indian dudes right now, tag team wise. Maybe. Oh, I'm I'm not even thinking tag team. I'm thinking like, oh. what do you put Damian Damian Priest in a suit? Just put him in a, in a suit and sunglasses and never talks. Or if he does, he doesn't talk very much. Yeah. I don't know. We, could do, we could do this all day. <laughs> we could do this all day. We could do this all day. Uh, it's a great question. That's what I'm yeah. going to be thinking about long. That's that's what I'm going to be thinking about long after the show. Yeah, definitely. Thank There's you very else. much, how do, Brandon. How do we make how do we make Los Angobernables into like what it could be? Yeah, damn, that was a really good one, Brandon. Thank you. Oh, uh, Ibrahim Fantasma. There you go. Yeah, oh, Kyle. In the that, chat. Oh, yes. There it is. Boom. Boom. Yes. Throw him in there. Yeah, that's a good one. Him for sure. Take uh, off his mask, especially too. if he gets pissed off. Yeah, take his mask. De- unmask him because he's already done it before, and he loses the cruiserweight championship. He's dejected and he's upset about it. And here's yeah. swo- Zelina yeah. Vega swoops in. I, the only problem is, is that. He looks too much like Rush without his mask. <laughs> I'm just going to face like a Rush light. Whatever. I'll take it. It's, for, it's answering the question. He's from WWE. All right. Yes. There yes. you go. Next up, Esme asks, Hello, Pod Papas. Would you agree that red wrestling gives you a perspective on things that others don't have? Like politics, gender roles, or something like that. I don't know. I think watching wrestling has actually broadened my mind in, in many ways. Huh. Um, thanks, guys. And I agree with Martin. You fellas are handsome. Handsome, and that has nothing to do with quarantine thirst. (laughs) (laughs) Calm down, Esme. (laughs) Nothing. No, don't calm down. We're doing mailbag questions here. I love Esme thirst. It's wonderful. Um, Love it. That's uh, yeah. No, it's actually it's it is actually wonderful. Like I love the fact you've got we got uh, guys in the chats on the shows being like, yeah, look at that. Oh, Alexa Bliss is so hot. You got Esme right there going. Hello, Austin Theory, or whoever is on TV at the time. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. Uh, things that, that give me a perspective on things that I wouldn't otherwise have. You know, honestly, I've been watching it for so long, and it's, it's more that the things I like in wrestling reflect my, my existing perspectives, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like if it's a, something low brown wrestling, like a you know a whole segment about farting, uh, that doesn't really flip my wig. I can you know I maybe I'll chuckle at it, but that's not what I come to wrestling for. If that makes sense, um, you know I don't come to wrestling for the trash TV aspect of it, the the Jerry Springer stuff. That's not what I'm here for. I'm I'm here for something else. Not to say that stuff is wrong. People come for that, and that is fine if that's what they want out of wrestling. Um, the stuff that, that that intrigues me, you know, like I was a huge fan of the Golden Lover storyline because it was a revolutionary gender role storyline that no one had ever told before, normalizing these two guys' relationship. That was fantastic. I was invested in that. 
because that reflected, you know, my own personal perspectives on the world um, and how things should be treated. Fine. And I don't, I don't want to make this a big political thing and get into, you know, what those perspectives are for me. That's not neither here nor there. The bottom line is, is that um, it's more that I wrestling can be wrestling is a huge you know, polyglot rainbow of things. It can be whatever you want. You can go find whatever you want in wrestling. Um, and I think that's, you know, luckily I, I, I can with wrestling. Wrestling is not just one thing. If it were, I don't think it would be as engaging or interesting. Yeah. I don't know. What about you, Nick? Do you, is there anything that, that uh, wrestling kind of flipped your wig on? Not really. I've I've always I've always been pretty established and I guess in my beliefs and perspective on on things and I try not to let the two cross over. Wrestling is a form of entertaining entertainment for me. Yeah, and I've always tried very hard to keep my entertainment away from my politics and my other things because entertainment is universal. Now, if if it comes out that a certain individual. The, the benefit of that is if a certain individual comes out with beliefs that are staunchly different than mine, it keeps it in the entertainment sector, and I don't have to care that they think sure. about it. They believe yeah. a certain thing. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I still get to look at them as these fantasy characters that are playing out a role play on TV. And, Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So, so do I allow it to inflect, affect that? No, because I just keep it compartmentalized over in this entertainment sector. Absolutely. But, yeah, there's plenty of people in wrestling – across all brands that have different perspectives and viewpoints than than I do. And if I tried to get into that, fall down that Alice Alice's rabbit hole of, well, I don't like this guy because he believes in blah, 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 blah. Well, that just wouldn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And honestly, to be, to be clear, I'd rather not have a lot of this, you know, political, social stuff in wrestling. I'm, I'm here for entertainment, not to, you know, have to, worry about that kind of stuff right it's 2020 I, actually, I wouldn't be allowed to say that i love the fact that uh triple h got stephanie drunk and took her to a chapel and and married her by faking her voice <laughs> if i believed if i believed that that, right, that wasn't was, that was, fantasy and entertainment right that's a good but point he too. can't do that that's no and as, yeah and as it is like the kind of the nationalism stuff that wwe tends to go for the rah rah america stuff sometimes it, it grates on me because it feels like it's it's bordering on a political message. Right. Um, but that's, but again, it's, it's entertainment. I can take it as such. Yeah. It's actually, it reminds me, um, there was actually a point where I was actually trying to change people's perspectives on what wrestling was. Um, and I actually wrote a paper in college in a, in a theater history class where they said, you know, take a modern form of theater or a modern, something modern and explain where it came from, like that it's a valid form of theater, something that, that people wouldn't think of. And I went right for wrestling. Perfect. And, and you know, when I told my teacher I was going to, that was the topic I was going to do, oh, did I get a look? Oh, did I get a look? As you would expect. Yeah. But it was actually one of the easiest papers I ever wrote. And at the time, you know, kayfabe was still kind of alive, or this is the 90s, kayfabe's still kind of alive. And I basically wrote a whole paper comparing it to Greek theater. Uh, on the Aristotelian uh, concept of catharsis, um, you know the the mob mob entertainment, um, the idea that you can project yourself onto the people in the stage into these heightened situations, and when you come away, you feel gratified and 
you feel like you have let go of some of this tension and energy that you've gotten from regular life. Sure. All of these things exist in wrestling. It is a reflection, and it is also something that we can watch as a theatrical endeavor that involves a whole bunch of high-flying acrobatics or you know, technical wrestling skills, athletics in general. And we can watch it and see our reflections in it and come away changed yeah. and come away better for it. At its best, that's what it should be. Um, so in that sense, it's more that, you know, because I'm getting that reflection from it of myself, of what I want to see in it, um, it's not that it's giving me a new perspective, but it might help me clarify my perspectives by, you know, kind of contemplating what I'm taking out of it, if that makes sense. It's like looking into a mirror, right? I don't, I don't know exactly how my nose looks, so I look in a mirror. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. And there's a lot of uh, requests to read this paper coming from the chat, uh, if you still have it somewhere, oh. by chance. <laughs> I don't know if I do. Here, here's, here's the difference to me. 20-something years ago. I think the the heart of the question here was the circus. We we compare wrestling to the circus, the traveling circus from time to time. And when you think about the circus, you think of a lot of animal abuse. You think of a lot of workers' rights and things like that. There are still plenty of things of controversy that we have to deal with in wrestling. Make no mistake about it. Uh, are they anywhere near like, you know, getting a bear to ride a unicycle by whipping it to death? No. You know, I just or or holding animals in captivity and and all of that. Just I I want to I want to when we compare that stuff. There's plenty of things to complain about with the circus. I'm not finding anything of that degree with wrestling. Well, there has been in the past. We're watching it all unfold on Dark Side of the Ring as we speak. You know, so there's been plenty of hundred years. Yeah, hundred years of carny shit and wrestling. That you know, some dark dark times. So sure, definitely. But thankfully, it's evolved now. And I think the death of kayfabe has allowed people to look at it seriously as theater and not have that. I, I, I don't have to. I wouldn't have had to convince my teacher now. It's common knowledge. Yeah. The 90s, it was not. It yeah. was like, yeah, they're trying to trick us, right? And there's still that aura around it. People are like, they think they're doing something real. And they're trying to put <laughs> one over on us. And we're too smart for that. Right. It's like today, it's like, no, they're not. It's theater. We know it's theater. Okay. Like, you don't have to tell us that it's fake. We know. Now sit back and fucking enjoy it the way you would enjoy a movie. God exactly. damn it. Yeah. All right. Leave wrestling alone. <laughs> Leave my wrestling alone. Uh, Ian, I'm going to uh, thank you very much, Esme. That was a fantastic question. Thank you, uh, I'm going to go make a sandwich and prepare dinner while you read Kyle's question next. <laughs> All right. I've got Kyle's question here. <clears throat> Kyle. You got, you got, man, you, your fingers must be sore for this one, brother. He says, sorry guys, but this is going to be a long one to read. All right, here we go. <laughs> so over the last few weeks, a question has popped into my head like an epiphany, primarily due to Lacey Evans. Has SmackDown as a show become the best at logical and long-term storytelling among the two WWE main roster shows since Bruce took over? Let me explain myself a bit, as this does not mean the best show, or that it has been all good as it is the weaker roster of the two brands in terms of characters and in-ring work, in my opinion. I bring this up because since Bruce took over, no story threads are really ever dropped outside the Drake and Elias feud and Roman, for obvious reasons. Lacey's story with Sasha and Bailey that has been going on since January and is still relevant here in May, with only one match with the champion one-on-one. Braun's feud with the Artist Collective went from December to the March Elimination pay-per-view. Um, they have, haven't rushed the Bailey and Sasha story while dealing with Sasha's absence in the spring, even though it would be easy for them to justify it for Mania. 
They've quietly built up a credible tag team division where all the teams are relevant while dealing with the process of losing the revival. They utilize the years of character history that they have to inform character dynamics, such as the ambush on Tamina this Friday. Everyone on the show has a purpose, with the exception of Seamus for most of this year, and of course the Otis and Mandy story. While some of the characters and performers in these stories may not work because they aren't over or haven't been played out, like Corbin, Elias, Dana, Brooke, Tamina, the writing and characters stay consistent and logical. As for Raw, despite the great talent and characters on hand, it seems Heyman may have lost his touch from SmackDown's Golden Age during the first brand split, as story and character threads are dropped. Liv and Lana, Becky's overconfidence, Shayna's bite, go nowhere, U.S. title feuds, karaoke raiders, Lana Lashley split, Rowan Spider, etc. And he's relying on the same select talent with most of them having no story or character direction. This was even before current circumstances. So with that said, has SmackDown been the best main roster WWE show in terms of logical and long-term story storytelling since Bruce took over? If you say yes, why do you think Bruce succeeded while Heyman has struggled? You can breathe now, Nick, or me. Again, sorry for the length. It's just got a bug in my brain over this. You can blame one of your favorites in Lacey for it. If you still have enough breath, I'll pose the original question I was going to ask this week before the long one. Who is your wrestling guilty pleasure and why? Okay, so we've got the big question, and then we got like the mini question at the end. Yep. So the big question is, do we think Bruce is succeeding on SmackDown and Heyman is, is failing on Raw based on what we've seen so far since they both took over in, let's say, anytime between September and December of last year? Do we feel like uh, there's more consistent storytelling on SmackDown. And Nick, I just did that, so you go first. Yep. Um, um, I'll, I'll ask a question back at you in a rhetorical fashion. Why do you think so many fast food rec re uh, restaurants exist? Why do we see commercials for fast food all over the place? It's because we like small bites fast. We want it now, 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 now. And I think Heyman is tapping into that a little bit, wh wherever on the other side, some people prefer to go to Ruth Chris and sit down and have a five-course meal, big, big juicy steak with some good sides, Fancy dessert, right? I so you just, wait, well, hold on, time out, time out. You agree that SmackDown has had better stories than Raw? I'd have to really think about that, but I see. I'm I'm going along with his theory here. I, I'm gonna pl I'm playing out his reasoning uh, and just kind of going along with it. Uh, whether or not I believe that's the case, I'd really have to stew on that because I, I think yeah, there's been limited use of superstars uh, over on Raw where we've seen some more. A little bit more diversity on SmackDown, yeah. Um, but if I'm playing this out, I think Raw is fast food, and I think SmackDown is with Pritchard is becoming more like a a five course meal. And I, there's, well, there's there's some stuff that you could make exceptions for, absolutely, Sheamus. But uh, again, no, there's a lot of stuff I can make exceptions for. The only thing that's been consistently good on SmackDown has been Otis and Mandy, and I would argue also the Daniel Bryan stuff with Gulak and the Artist Collective has also been surprisingly solid. But that's about as far as I'm willing to go. I don't think the tag team stuff has been consistent. They've been getting all the guys involved, but with no real reason besides, you know, basically basic competition. There's no big long-term story, story there. I have no idea where they're going with the, smack, the tag division there, and I haven't for the last few months. The Lacey and Sasha and Tamina and Bailey thing is a mess. We were talking about in the show, like, what is going on there? Why is Lacey still involved? Just because they don't like each other? There's no basis for storyline there. The Braun and Bray thing that they just jumped up on us. I mean, yeah, they they kind of got their legs cut out with Roman going down and Goldberg, you know, playing hot potato with his contract. But with Braun and Bray, we were talking about that. They've got nothing beyond the surface level. A lot of the stuff on SmackDown, I feel, is you know, kind of a pretty shiny exterior. 
but there's nothing underneath it. There's no meat underneath it. Whereas raw, I feel like there's been a number of times where they've had some really good ideas, some really strong concepts, and they haven't gone anywhere. And I don't know if I blame that on Paul or if I blame that on Vince maybe scuppering some of the stuff last minute or also, you know, injuries and this whole thing that's happening right now, the, the whole crisis that's happening right now, also scuppering some plans. I feel like they had a path for Seth and Kevin Owens and everything that was going on with there, but then Samoa Joe goes down, AOP goes down. You had nothing, nothing but trouble with that whole feud, and that was one of your main feuds. It was taking up a good third to a half of the show every week. Um, so I think Raw has had some bad breaks. You know what I mean? I don't Fair. know what the hell that I don't know what the hell that that Rowan storyline was with the, with the spider, but that did not sound to me like a Paul Heyman thing. Or if it was, then at some point it got taken out of his hands and became something else horrible. Um, but look, at, I mean, look at let's look at some of the other feuds that you mentioned. Corbin and Elias was a that was a feud, and it sucked. You know what I mean? Like, they, yes, are they doing a good job of getting a lot of people involved on the show now? Yeah, they are. Um, but that's about it. I can't really give them credit beyond that. So I don't know that Bruce is doing a better job than Raw. I'm more entertained by Raw on a week-by-week basis. Same. You know? Um, and I'm wondering if that's stuff- just because I like Taco Bell and McDonald's. Well, but I don't know. I, uh, I feel like it's tough, to, it's tough to really judge them right now. And for the last month and a half, they've had their hands tied. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, usually coming out of WrestleMania, we're going to get a bunch more stories. But I feel like... They can only do so much right now. They've got a limited roster to work with. Um, They can't do a lot of stuff they normally would do. And one of the things that they've been doing is establishing Drew as a champion. And uh, Zelina's Los and Gobernables did WWE as a legit heel stable. That's been like two of the the biggest things that they've done. Um, You know, saying hi to Bianca Belair. So... it's tough, man. I don't, I don't know if I can go all the way to saying that SmackDown is succeeding and Raw isn't. I, I would argue because I'm more entertained by Raw, Raw might be succeeding. That might be personal predilection, but um, I, I, I wouldn't, you know, to Kyle's point here, um, when he says, has SmackDown been the best main roster show in WWE in terms of logical and long-term storytelling? Only with Otis and Mandy. That's it. Beyond that, I don't. I can't really say that they have been that logical, or that they've told any engaging long-term stories. They really kind of haven't. I can't think of any other like true long-term story that they've told. Gulak and Brian. Gulak and Brian, maybe. Yeah. But even that, I, I think, think that was. But that uh, was Brian pulling that. Brian was like, "I want this." That was him backstage pulling that. I, I feel like I could sit here for an hour and and rattle off my own thoughts on raw versus smackdown but in the in the interest of kind of just going along with what he's saying here if, if i accept this theory as it is um i can i can certainly make sense of it yeah i see i see what he's getting at here i see what he's getting at i see what Kyle's getting at here i think it's a point well taken yeah Sm- like smackdown storylines seem cleaner yeah but they're also less engaging yeah, by and large, with with a couple of exceptions, and, and I'm wondering engaged. if that's because Raw is typically the more viewed, more live event driven kind of thing, where you're going to get the casuals that want a quick bite of what your show is about. Yeah, that's what I was trying to uh, allude to a little bit ago. Was it's fast food, 
And you need to be able to tell a concise story within the confines of a single show and maybe remind people of why they should care by giving them a video package versus something along the lines of Otis and Mandy that is, frankly, before we ever saw it transpire on TV, has actually been going on for almost three to five years on social media and NXT. So this is, I mean, it goes back further. So I see, Kyle, I totally see where you're going here, man. Yeah. And I I don't know if I'm mentally prepared to go down the rabbit hole of which one is, I don't know if it's a better comparison. Is it a steak versus a pork chop? Like, is it just different strokes for different folks? Some people like long-term storytelling. Some people want the fast food quick bites in their wrestling. I, I think it's just, I think it might just be a different strokes kind of thing. We're seeing the con, the, the differences between Heyman and Pritchard and the way that they approach right. things. If if we're going to do the food thing, I'm going to say Raw is the Waffle House and SmackDown is Applebee's and New Japan is Ruth's Chris. Oh, okay, fanboy. I'm just saying. You, you, I, I get your and point. And AEW is like Outback Steakhouse. Oh, God, now I'm hungry. I love it. I, I want a Bloomin' Onion now. You <laughs> shit. I know. God damn it, Ian. <laughs> Oh, sorry. No, I'm hungry. I want restaurant food. <sighs> sorry, man. Let me tell you something funny. We're going to pick up a new grill tonight, by the way, after, as soon as we're done with the show. You know what I'm uh, getting for dinner? What you getting for dinner? Taco Bell. Ooh. That I have not had in almost two months. And I'm very excited about it. I still Point haven't me. forgiven them. I haven't forgiven Taco Bell. I'm literally having to swallow saliva right now. I, I, yeah. I, I haven't forgiven Taco Bell for getting rid of the green sauce. I'm never going to get over that. Yeah, I haven't had a grill never. in more than a decade. Like apartment living in Los Angeles, like you can't have yeah, grills right. anywhere. Yeah, right? can't have grills. So, I'm so excited to have hamburgers and steaks and pork chops. Apparently, and barbe- we're hungry on the show chicken. here. Good Nick, lord. We have, we- Nick, we have questions to answer. I know yes. our hunger has taken over. We've been we've been talking wrestling for three hours, but damn oh. it. We have a show to do, sir. Kyle, thank you for all Come the on, super man. chats, all the donations, Seriously, the man. patronage, and the amazing question, man. That was really good. Don't worry yeah. about the length of it, man. Seriously. All good all stuff. Good. Uh, next up, Derek, my gator guy, asks us, I was listening to another pod and something blew my mind. Wrestlers live the gimmick outside of kayfabe all the time. But even then, there's a lot of them that give a glimpse into who they are as a regular Joe or Jane. WWE Network, social media, and the 24-7 news cycle has attributed to that. The conversation that I heard referred to Ric Flair and the fact that in his later years, he has finally begun to let go of the kiss-stealing, wheeling-dealing persona. Yes, we know that's in him, but in recent years, we've seen him morph into Ric Flair, from Ric Flair back to Richard Fleer, the guy he's admitted that he ran from because he didn't want to be that person. Watching the Stone Cold interview, this became very apparent in my eyes. My question is twofold. First, what are your thoughts on Rick coming to grips with not being who he once was? Good question. And two, Mm. are there still any wrestlers that live the gimmick outside of kayfabe that blur the line between the character and their actual real-life persona? Love you guys in the show. Also, agree that you guys are stunningly handsome and amazingly cool. Wow, okay. (laughs) Thank you, guys. You guys are... Oh, man. Oh, geez. Uh, So, first question... Get my ego stroke today. What are your thoughts on Rick admitting uh, or coming to grips with not being who he once was? I think part of that is age and mortality, but also, you know, Getting Guy makes a point here that it's a different era. You know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, dudes lived the gimmick because 
they had to. Like, kayfabe was still alive and well, and you had to have that audience believing in everything. If they weren't, they wouldn't care as much. You wouldn't have these rabid, frothing audiences. Now they've morphed it into being an entertainment show, and that's taken years and, and decades, frankly, of evolution and navigating how they're going to make that work. And to some extent, it hasn't, because part of the reason why some of the fan base has become so toxic these days, there was always there. There was always toxic fans, but before, you know, there was the guys of kayfabe to hide behind. It's like, ah, we're working the marks. Now there is this entitlement that fans have to the real person behind the wrestler. Like, oh, right. I know that it's a performance now, so why aren't they doing this or that, this or that? Why didn't that person win? They're getting screwed. This is my favorite, you know, so on and so forth. There's an added vitriol, I think, to that entitlement these days mm. on the negative side. But on the positive side, as they were saying, it's allowed some of these wrestlers to come out more as actors performing a craft, right? So if you look at celebrity actors, whether it's Nicole Kidman or Russell Crowe or whoever, you know, Russell Crowe does not have a great reputation as a, as a human being outside of his acting. I'll be goddamn if the guy isn't one of the best actors working right now. Who's this? Guy's amazing. Uh, Russell Crowe. Uh, I'm picking him out of there. Oh, oh, come on. Uh, he's a fantastic. He's a fantastic. Guy. Twenty Shut years up. ago, maybe he still is. Okay. He never. He's okay. Can I just make my point? The question was about Ric Flair. Where are you at? I'm getting. I'm coming around <laughs> to that. Russell Crowe. We're finally getting to. Oh, come on. We're finally getting to the point where Ric Flair can now say, "Yes, this character that I've played wasn't it great? This is who I really am," and we can now engage with him on a basis of him being a human being as well as this character that we've come to know and love. He's now feeling the freedom to do that. Um, so that actually is fantastic that he's being allowed to show multiple levels and nuances. It allows us to connect with him as a human being more. You know, We can still respect him. We can still look at his performance as this character, Ric Flair, and living it. I mean, that's method acting right there, right? The reason people love Daniel Day-Lewis because he's such a crazy freaking method actor, right? That's that on a whole different level. Like people will always talk about, oh, Dan, Daniel Day-Lewis and my left foot. He didn't move for six months except for his left foot. He was in character. Ric Flair did that for 50 years, 40 years. He was in character. Undertaker never broke kayfabe from whatever it was, 91, 92, 92. What was the gobbledygook? When was it? Suffers? When was that? 92. 92. Until now. That's insane. And having the, per the curtain pulled back, it makes it almost more respectable. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I have to do a couple of quick shout-outs real quick. Esme with $25 with the Super Chat says, I believe this should cover the Taco Bell. If it's more than this, oh. by, by God, you can eat. Uh, well... Yeah, my bill's usually about fifteen bucks. I can eat. <laughs> I can. I can do some. See, whereas I'm now, Bell. I'm now going to have a real Mexican food dinner tonight because that's still delivered here in Los Angeles, where we actually have real Mexican food. Yeah, I know. I, it's the one it's thing awesome. I really be, besides oh, yeah. you, of course. Um, oh. I I miss real Mexican food uh, in SoCal for sure. Uh, thank you very much, Esme. And Line Drive with one ninety nine says Russell Crowe fighting around, fighting the, around world. the world. Taga. <laughs> oh god Tugger he shot himself oh, he's <laughs> <laughs> that is the best uh, uh, so here's the other last thing I'll say about Flair 
while yes, this is we are seeing like this kayfabe reversal, this undoing of the Flair personality. He's still going out and getting paid millions by rappers to be Ric Flair, to sure. be the the flossing nature boy, you know, with all his his gold and jewelry and his cars and all that stuff. There's a, they're bringing him out in a weird reversal, reversal kind of way it's to Sasha, pretend so, so someone, who he used to be. Someone's paying Sasha Baron Cohen to come out as Borat in a music video. Sure. So. Not much different. Yeah, I listen. It Ric Flair will always be 1988 and 89 NWA champion Ric Flair to me, and I've Fair I've, I've lo- I, I will never I never want to let go of that image of him in studio promoing with with just you don't NWA. have to. I'm never going to get the image of of Borat and his fat buddy fighting naked in a gigantic yeah. meeting room out of my head either. Azamat Bagatov. <laughs> most venerable producer <laughs> make sex a time yes yeah, yes uh let's see what was the second question here uh da, 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 da. I, I lost the thread <laughs> are there still any wrestlers that live the gimmick outside of kayfabe that blur the line between the character and their actual real life persona um jericho not really not not a many jericho what? is this combination yes, of jericho. like rock star wrestler that even on his facebook lives Still sings terrible karaoke as if like he's this rock star wrestler guy. Yeah, guys you know? who are always working. Guys yeah. who are always working. He's There's always, always an angle. on. Yeah. There's always an angle. That's a good one. Um, I'm sure there's still some old school guys who I'm yeah, trying to think M- of. MJF is getting mentioned a couple times in the chat, and yeah, I'm, I'm thinking he. Yes, he's a good one. He's definitely living it. Yeah, that's a that's a great example. Um. I mean, he's really doing what Flair did in the late 80s, and he made that transition to where it's you just become the gimmick. So, Yeah, no, those are two really good examples. I can't – there's not a lot. There's not a lot of who, are, who never really break character. Minoru so many Suzuki, people are just like – are almost said. like they're almost <laughs> relieved. They're almost relieved. Even Bray Wyatt breaks character, and that's yeah. one where I'm like, dude, of all people, you got to keep this going. Yeah. You know, good ones in the Jim, chat. Pen- Jim, Pentagon, Jim Cornette, Suzuki. Oh, Jim, Jim Cornette never breaks character. He never breaks character. So, that, I mean, I who mean, knows? His gimmick who he really was is. who he really was. Right. <laughs> That's the irony of the whole thing. All right, we got to get moving. We got a bunch more okay. to get to. Uh, thank okay. you guys both very much for those very big questions. Uh, yes, next up, you. the innovator of the mop himself, Mr. Sean Clark. How you doing, sir? Uh, short, sweet, and to the point this week. Much like my sex life. Oh. Book your dream fatal four-way match with two past and two present wrestlers and throw in a match stipulation just for good measure. Thanks for being awesome, fellas. You give me, oh. you guys giving me a bit of normalcy has been a quarantine moment of positivity. Good. Thank you. A pleasure. Thank you, Thank you man. Uh, fatal four-way match. Yep. Two past, two present wrestlers. Dream match. match stimulation. Okay, dream match. Well, stipulation, ladder match. Yeah. Right there. Done. Um, ladder match. Macho Man, um, Shawn Michaels, Ricochet, and Seth Rollins? No, Kenny Omega. You said Seth Rollins and Ricochet and Shawn Michaels. No, no. Kenny, and Kenny Omega, Man. Ricochet, Macho Man, Shawn Michaels. Okay. In a, in a ladder match. Wow. Beat that son. I can't. 
I really want to watch that. What's your, okay, As, I got assuming they're all in their primes, right? Like here's that, one, Nick. That, I'll make it easy for you. Yeah. I'll make it easy for you. Do two mine. past, two two past, two present. Um, no holds barred, hardcore match. Yeah, big guys, big hosses, hoss match. Two past, two present. Start with Lance Archer. Go from there. <laughs> Lance Archer, easily. <laughs> um, Who else from the present? What other what big Hoss guy? Hardcore match. I want past Undertaker. Okay. Like 95 Taker? Mid to late 90 Taker, yeah. Okay. Nin- so 95 like pre- to 98 Taker. So just just pre-Ministry of Darkness or during Ministry yes, of Darkness? Uh, pre-Ministry of Darkness. Okay. Um. Now I got to do one more of each. I, I I can't use yours. I'm I'm hesitant to. I, I, well, because I you, I'm, I did little guys. You do hosses. Oh man, big boss man. Big boss man is my other past. Wow. And okay. Um, yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. So Lance, who who else would be the present one besides Lance Archer? Another big guy from from right now. My my gut's going towards Braun Strowman, but I don't think he. Ooh. Uh, y- y- yeah, Braun. Okay, actually, Braun Strowman and me- Lance Archer. Ver- <laughs> uh, uh, ver- well, it's not a tag match. So Braun Strowman, Lance Archer, Big Boss Man, and Taker, ninety six Undertaker. No holds barred match. No holds barred hardcore match. I'll watch the shit out of that. <laughs> Holy shit! That's a good one. <laughs> Ooh, oh, Manuel said Bruiser Brody. Oh, That'd be God. a good one. Oh, damn. To sub him in for Big Boss Man, dude. Oh, no. For sure. We got to get moving. Okay. Oh, thank you very much, Sean. That's good fun. One. I love doing those. Uh, next up, Yardy. Yardy, yes. the Wanamaker. Yardy. Has. Hello, guys. A simple question this week. What are some must-see wrestling matches of the WWE Golden Era? Ooh, Damn. Uh, uh, uh. talking about early 80s there when you refer to golden era or? i think just 80s 80s and early 90s because the new generation started like early 90s with like yeah. bret hart and uh, perfect and Shawn michaels and all the like the smaller guys so let's say post steroid trial so everything from like early 80s like I, you've got to throw in uh i just watched the dark side of the ring but it, it really is like an all-time feud and match uh, Morocco and Snuka in the cage Snuka. at Madison yeah. Square Garden yeah. with Mick Foley in like the fifth row. Um, that's an all timer. Um, I'm just trying to think of like really Any, good anything. Anything San Martino, uh, like Larry Larry Zabisco. 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 Zabisco San, Mar- San Martino is probably one of those top yeah. golden era matches. Um, Briscoe's. Briscoe Brothers versus I'm trying to think of like tags. Briscoe can't, Brothers can't, versus can't not say and Hulk and, Ho- and uh, Andre at, at three. Um, I mean, that's well, that wasn't a well-worked match. We're talking about like, sure, like I guess it's must must see, must see, yeah, must, must see, see wrestling. If you haven't that's seen a, that's an all-time WrestleMania match. three yeah. and and that match, yeah. Uh, you got me thinking about Big Boss Man, Boss Man versus Hogan in a cage in '89. Oh. Um, uh, other good ones, Sergeant Slaughter versus the Iron Sheik. They had yep. a program in the what '84, '85. That was good. Um, oh, that's what I was trying to think of. Thank you, Internet. Backlund and Harley Race. Oh, God. Got, yeah. They had so many good. Uh, you got to go watch that one. Uh, this particular one. Yeah, oh, yeah, 83, just, 83, two. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. 
It was the the one uh, that was the title versus title. I just can't remember exactly what venue, what year. It was the title versus title match between Bob Blackland and Harley Race. That's yes, yes. The NWA versus WWF. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Was it WWF? Was it, so it would been that would have been early. That would have been earlier though, wasn't it? Right. And Damn. then uh, you also had Flair and Backlund do that as well for the NWA right. versus WWF title versus title as well. See, I went down a. I, I just in my mind just went down a Randy Savage rabbit hole. Because uh, I was thinking Steamboat Savage WrestleMania three also that's if that's not one of the best matches in the WWF of the eighties yeah I don't know what Savage is Savage Hogan I believe at five as well right yeah and then yeah. Savage and Warrior was also a great Mania Men event where he lost and uh, his career was over and he reunited with Elizabeth yep. that was also a great all time match but I was also thinking about because I just mentioned Bret Hart right after Bret Hart broke up with the Hart Foundation. In eighty six or eighty seven, he had a match with with Savage that was outstanding. He had a, a feud and a match with Savage in particular that was outstanding. Um, but then I also went down that rabbit hole because Steamboat Savage. Well, Steamboat had a ton of matches, and you know my boy Jake Roberts is the shit. Steamboat and Roberts had a feud in eighty six that was outstanding. You can just watch any of those. Um, they worked really well together. Um, Roberts rehabbing the ultimate warrior when warrior was like, had the fear of God put into him and then war and then Roberts turning on warrior. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, we could, we could be here all day. There's a ton of great. I mean, since, you, since you said the dark side of the ring one and you said the Don, um, is it McCarrie? Morocco, Morocco, Morocco and Snuka. I'll say the Snuka backland match where he came off. The top Snuka of backland. Yes. Is, that's one of the legendary, they do cover that one where Jimmy was at. Uh, in the Dark Side of the Ring yeah. episode, if you've not seen that. But the, the Snooka well, Backlund one was fantastic. Uh, that was one of the first times in, in wrestling history that somebody had come off the top of a cage like that. It's, it's funny. It, it if I remember... the precedent there. What made Jimmy Snooka Jimmy Snooka. Yeah. Yeah, right. I, I, I'm trying to think of more, but I'm starting to get, starting to get burnt out. Any, pretty much anything... Oh, Survivors. There's a few good Survivor Series matches. Uh, Team Towers versus was it Team Mega Powers? Anyway, we could be here all day with yeah. this. Tons of there's good matches. a whole bunch yet, of them for you, Yardy. And yet, not a single <laughs> WWE match, WWF match in the '80s ever received five stars from Dave Meltzer. Oh, go figure. Oh, oh snap. Go figure. Uh, real quick, line drive again. One ninety nine in the super chat says Piper sure. versus Bret Hart fall into this. Yes, Piper, yes. Piper Hart ninety one. No. Uh, yeah, it was a little yeah. bit late, so it was almost the beginning of the new era. I was trying to, th I was trying not to think of like new, because you know you could throw in Bulldog and yeah, I wanted and, to do old throwback stuff. Bret Hart and Bulldog at SummerSlam, Smoke Bret Hart sheet, and Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam, all of those guys. Yeah, that, exactly. I wanted to go like pure golden era. Yeah. So there you yeah. go, Yardy. There's a whole that you'll spend all weekend <laughs> watching those. Have fun. <laughs> Damn. Uh, all right. Next up, we got Jesse. Jesse. Uh, he has two quick ones today. By the way, I have to give a shout-out, much like we did to Mr. Trey Davis for being our inaugural $100 patron. I did not yes. post in the group because I wanted to save it for the show today. Mr. Jesse, who we're about to read his questions, became our second $100 patron. Thank you very much. We will good be uh, producing special segments for both of these guys this month uh, to make sure that we get those included 
in the month of May. So thank you guys very much for the immense contributions to the show. It's sure. just it's mind blowing to me that you guys love us and our sh- our stuff that much. Thank you so much. All you guys. Thank you to everybody who listens to the show. And you everybody, guys. all all the phenomenal ones. All of the phenomenal ones. Thank you guys. So much love. Here goes with Jesse. Uh, Jesse says Warren Buffett has come to you with an open checkbook to bail Woo! out the wrestling industry. Okay. Your task is to build a new federation from scratch to dominate the U.S. wrestling industry in three years and the global one in five. You can sign away one top headliner and two other people each, either a tag team or singles, from WWE, AEW, and New Japan for a total of nine. And three independents or people recently released. How do you position the new... uh, Yeah. So how do you position the new company to be different from everyone else? Remember that Mr. Buffett will not invest in anything he doesn't understand, so it has to be clear and obvious. Wow. Release the hounds. That was a bonus episode. That is That's a, a bo- big one. That is a bonus episode, and I'd love to do that one justice by making that one a bonus episode, frankly. Um, I don't know that we could do it justice here in five to ten minutes. I'll we- tell you right now, one top headliner, if, of any, if I can pick anybody in the world, Okada. Yeah. I'm you taking can. Okada. Early 30s, the guy already has more all-time matches and feuds than anyone currently working. So I'll Nick, let's actually officially make this like a we're building we're building the BWO Federation for Warren Buffett. <laughs> also, uh, Jesse's a follow-up question uh, uh, that that you showed me here. Oh, um, yeah. Warren loves your roster and market position, so he immediately buys primetime slots for you to have two matches during this year's Super Bowl halftime and two matches during next year's halftime. So four matches total. Assume society is back to normal and everyone on the planet will watch. Who from your company do you book into the two matches for each year to capture new and lapsed fans around the world? Ooh. Current wrestlers only, not historical. So basically, we create a, So what Jesse's asking here is... Is to do Nick booking. Federa- it's basically Nick booking, for, 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 but like on another level. Right. Create a, create a new federation. And thank God he's keeping you within certain standards here. Create a new federation. <laughs> Twelve people um, with, some, with some stipulations. Uh, and then build it for a couple of years, and then you get two matches at, at, at in front of more television people than anyone, you know, ever. Um, where and where what and what do you do? That's definitely a bonus episode, Nick. Yeah, man. We need a but we need a May bonus episode, don't we? We I, I had a couple ideas, but this trumps both of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jesse, right, I hope so let's, I, I hope you don't mind. Let's I'm I'm okay to put that in the books as our May bonus episode. Let's write it. Let's put it down in pen. The May bonus episode will be the BWO wrestling promotion sponsored by Warren Buffett, and it'll be so we can we'll go up against Tony Khan and Vince McMahon with Warren Buffett of all people <laughs> behind us. Well, hey, the, the Berkshire Hathaway wrestling show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I love it. Yeah, no, let's, yeah. let's let's take some time on that. Let's take some time on that. Uh, so that we can explain why we're picking who we're picking, yeah, and uh, what we're gonna do to make that different from everybody else, and not and uh, be able to be able to explain it to someone like Warren Buffett who has right. no freaking clue what the hell wrestling is. Uh, and so then you see Warren, there's a guy with a giant beard and he's an ex-marine <laughs> and he's gonna go against no! all odds and win. No, 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 no. <laughs> No, you bastard. We do not. Okay. You're going to get your BW. We're going to get Nick BWO and Ian BWO, the Federation. Oh, God. I just finished Nick booking. <laughs> no. 
No, will, this will then, be a lot Jesse. Easier. I hope you're you okay with this. You don't have to book. You don't have to book months of wrestling. You just have to like pick people and give basic ideas. Here. All right. All right. You got that. You can do that. Okay. You can have Jackson Riker all to yourself. You psychopath. <laughs> Jesse, I hope you're okay with that. Thank you very much for all of the contributions, man. And uh, we will see you here in a few weeks with that bonus episode for you. But that's fantastic. Want to do that justice and not just do it in passing. Uh, next up, Josh asks, I'm going to jump on the wrestler recast wagon. Cast all the Z fighters as wrestlers. Mm. Is this Dragon okay. Ball Z? Yeah. Okay. Minoru Suzuki is Frieza. Uh, Braun Strowman is Broly. Uh, Seth Rollins is Vegeta. Seth Rollins is so Vegeta. Um, you're lost, aren't you, Nick? I have no idea. I didn't watch this. <laughs> I watched the shit out of it. I don't know who the I mean, Goku's the tough one. I was too one. busy watching wrestling! <laughs> I always kind of equated DBZ in wrestling. Like, it, was, it wasn't It was too dissimilar. Yeah. You know, guys raise their power levels and, and, and fight, like, new challenges and have to baby face up and face off against the heels. Um, John Cena as Goku. That, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, John Cena as Goku. Yeah, kind of dorky guy that you can't keep him down, never submits. That's, yeah, no, yep, 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 yep. Does that make CM Punk Vegeta? Ooh. You might as well be talking ancient Sumerian to me right now. CM Punk might be a way better Vegeta. Oh, man. Your nerd is showing. Shut up, dude. If we ever cast the Warcraft movie, you'd be doing this, and I'd be sitting here going, I don't know. I don't know. True. Fair point. Touche. Um, Drew McIntyre would make a good Piccolo. Big, kind of serious. Kyle says Rhea Ripley for Android 18. She's uh, she's cosplayed that, and she actually wore a Vegeta outfit to WrestleMania. So I think she'd be down. Rhea Ripley would. Uh, she's a little bigger. Android 18. The whole point is that she's like really small and, and surprisingly strong for her size. But God, with the haircut and everything, yeah. I mean, it'd be more like Alexa Bliss as Android 18. To be honest with you, uh, and then like Kip Sabian is Android uh, eighteen, and she's seventeen, right? She yeah, she's seventeen, he's eighteen. So Kip Sabian is eighteen would be would work well. Um, yeah, and then <laughs> Seamus is Android sixteen. <laughs> I'm cracking myself up here. Uh, <laughs> I feel so not part of. I'm the sorry, joke. I don't get it. <laughs> Imagine, imagine Boo is well, uh, yeah. Imagine Boo once he becomes a good guy at the end. Fat Boo is definitely Otis, for sure. Um, and then little like Final Form Boo could be uh, Leo Rush, Ooh. pretty easily. Who's Krillin? Uh, damn, that's a good question. Who's Krillin? John Cena's little buddy, kind of dorky, Daniel strongest Bryan. human ever. Yeah. Yeah, just from, just from your description, I've never seen no, one Daniel episode. Bryan would, Daniel Bryan would be a pretty good Krillin. Krillin's a little bit more dorky and goofy than Daniel Bryan is, but like when Daniel Bryan gets serious, he's actually scary. But I guess Krillin can get serious, huh? Yeah, that'd be a good one. When was this on right. TV, by the way? Um, depends if you're Japan or the U.S. The U.S. it didn't really start till the late '90s. Obviously, I'm not um, in Japan. <laughs> well, but in Japan it was like '89, and then All you right. know you had Dragon Ball and the Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z started coming over here late '90s. They and then it, it was all on hiatus. They tried to do GT, which sucked. Had some good stuff, but it overall sucked. And then they did uh, Super, 
uh, starting about a year or two ago. And there's a whole new series and a whole bunch of new characters that I'm still catching up. I'm still like wrapping my head around everything they did there. Nice. So, anyway. There you go, Josh. Sorry. I was lost on that one, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a lot more fun if we both both been able to do it. Yeah. Next up, Will James asks, proud to say I share my birthday with The Rock, who nice. is 20 years my senior, and which has thus caused me to miss much of his career live. Uh, so that being said, do you each have a match of his I should check out mm-hmm. to celebrate, preferably something not on a mania, as I have seen all of those? When was the I Quit match with Mick Foley? That was a classic. Uh, yeah. That was that Royal Rumble. Ah, crap. Um, the I Quit match from I want to say it was late '98, so or early '99. So it could have been the Rumble. Damn. Why am I forgetting when that was? Uh, the Triple H one that I'm trying to think of. I'm looking it up. The the ladder match, SummerSlam. Uh, no. You're thinking of. I think, uh, yeah, you're thinking of the Rock Mankind Royal Rumble 99 match. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Um, and then you're, are you thinking about the ladder match for the IC title between Triple H and no, Rock? No, it big, was the... Um, that one, okay, well, I'm going to say that one. You judgment. I had to look up the name of the pay-per-view. It was Judgment Day 2000 Rock Triple H. Ooh. That would have been a good one, too. Yep. Actually, you gotta, you got to watch the Survivor Series where, when he debuts. It is absolutely hilarious. He's working with Crush. That is hilarious. Actually, I think Rock does a play-by-play on that one. You can find it on YouTube where he like talks about his debut match. He makes fun of himself. It's pretty great. Yeah, I love his Instagram lives that he does where he's telling wrestling stories. Like, that yeah. stuff is fantastic. Here he is, you know, twenty years removed from the business on a day-to-day basis, and still out there, one of the most prolific kind of Mike Men storyteller types. I love it. Absolutely love it. Agreed. Uh, enjoy, Will. Hopefully uh, that uh, those are some good ones for you. Next up, Jonathan asks, uh, with all the backlash Vince McMahon receives from fans, media, and even those that have worked in WWE, is the industry's future really better without him? Hmm. In reference to Disney, mm-hmm. some of their best work was when Walt was still alive and hands, hands-on with his vision. Whoever fills his shoes will have to deal with the same backlash. Why? What do you see as WWE's future in the absence of Vince McMahon? I'll counter his Disney with an Al Davis. And that's why they have something called Founders Syndrome, is that at a certain point, sometimes founders can actually be troublesome for the companies they founded. Even though they had a lot of great ideas and really brought the company to where it was, at a certain point, they're actually dragging it down because they can't evolve and change. And Al Davis for the Raiders was that where, my God, in the 60s and 70s and the 80s, the Raiders were awesome. Yeah, But... You know, then come the 90s and the 2000s, and he's drafting kickers. I mean, you know, Hall of Fame kickers, but first in the draft, it's crazy. Um, and, and Jamarcus Russell. So, yeah. Um, Sebastian Kent, Janikowski pickup for you guys was pretty good. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Janikowski's the kicker I'm talking about. Drunken like, kicker. Hey, man, he was a mule. Sebastian but Janikowski did, sits he, his vodka down to come out and kick a 62 yard field goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which he somehow makes and then misses right. the three-point afters after that because right. he's still drunk. <laughs> um, trust me, like Nick, I lived it. Florida State, but go my, Florida State. <laughs> my, my point is, is that at this point, um, yes, Vince built the model. Yeah. Yes, Vince, you know, Vince is Disney up until like, you know, Bambi. But the problem, you know, 
Disney didn't really fall off the way that Vince kind of has. You could argue that Vince has. Um, there's an argument to be made either way that Vince is still going in a direction that is benefiting all of wrestling. Or you could make the argument that Vince should be removed and everything will be better. And I could argue either of those for you. But at the end of the day, it's still, I, I think, very, very plausible to argue that um, WWE is suffering from founder syndrome right now. It's not like a Disney situation um, where they go through the dark times of the 80s and Michael Ovitz with Disney and you know they kind of fall off and you know make stuff like, like The Black Cauldron, even though that's a great movie. Um, that was the darker times for them. Um, so do you, I don't, I don't see that they're necessarily going to deal with the backlash. If they come in and have great ideas and make the right moves, you know, Al Davis's son now runs the Raiders and they haven't been lights out great yet, Yeah, but they don't suck. They don't suck as much as they did under Al Davis. Like they're going in the right direction. They were, you know, people are questioning some of their moves. You gave Khalil Mack to the bears. It turned out it was a good, it was a good idea. So someone comes in, they maybe don't, you know, blow things out the, the window as, as much as Vince did, but they keep the train on the tracks for a little bit until they can get their own footing. Yeah, I think it's possible. I think, I think Triple H has been under the wings of Vince McMahon long enough now to just keep things going as they have been and make small right. moves uh, to begin to do things the way that he, it, it, he sees them, you know, in his, in yeah. his image. And there's also a really strong corporate structure that's established without Vince. Like, yep. you cut off the head, and the machine's still going to run. Yep. Kind of like when Steve Jobs died. Like, yes, Apple has made a lot of stupid decisions, but that train is kept on a roll. Yeah. A uh, couple of Super Chats here i got to catch up on. Let's see, i got those two. Uh, Josh Logan with 10 bucks in the Super Chat. Yeah. He says he nominates CM Punk as, is it Vegeta? Vegeta. Vegeta. Yeah, right? right? CM Punk is Vegeta. Totally. Totally would work. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Jonathan. Good question there. Next up, Billy asks, Good evening, my friends. My question this week, and just know that this comes from a place of curiosity and not hatred or cynicism. Okay. Setting me up nicely. Thanks. After hearing Nick booking 2.0 AA Electric Boogaloo, <laughs> I got that reference. Uh, AKA Strange Fashion uh, we, we, with We played men. that movie. We played, uh, by the way, Break Into Electric Boogaloo at the bar before this all went down. We were playing it on a regular basis, so I got it too, Nick. Yeah. Uh, after hearing Nick booking 2.0, a.k.a. Electric Boogaloo, a.k.a. Strange Fascination with Bearded Men. It is strange, isn't it? I, I have to know, what's this obsession with Jackson Riker? <laughs> as a TNA, Explain yourself, Howard. As a TNA Ow. Impact loyalist, I first mm -hmm. saw him as Gunner. Nice. He is yep. now what he was then. A good hand. Thank you. But even then, which was a rough time in TNA, they wouldn't even make him a world champion. Again, nope. we like what we like. I just have to know what the C what the C is with him. Stay safe and awesome, friends. Thank you, Billy. Um, listen. Fifty <laughs> percent of it is just poking it in. Yes. Okay. And it works. It's it works. It's all, so stupid. Outside of our own little kayfabe that we have here, it's a lot of it is just to poke fun at to to see Ian react. The other side of me goes, all joking aside, there there's a there's a there's a potential there. 
And I think if they worked on things like Mike's skills, like promo ability, like his in like ability, pretty much like everything, everything, he's got the look. <laughs> he's got the look. It's all he is is a he, look. He's got the look. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know that genuinely, realistically, if if he'll ever get to the top to that spot. I, I no. like, I like to rib Ian about it because he has such vitriol about it. Much like he likes to rib ridiculous. me about Nia. You know, it's it's yeah. uh, Jackson Riker is Ian's Nia Jax. <sighs> Except, except I actually like you know, I think he's a decent dude. Yeah, I want to see him do well. I'm just realistic. Oh, okay. I I I, I want to see him do well. I think he's got a lot of potential. Him, him main eventing WrestleMania is basically Nick doing that in the booking, which is why I reacted the way I did. I was like, of course you did. Of yeah. course you did. Like it doesn't even get like at this point. I don't know. Of course, of course, whatever. I'm I'm immune. I see the so. potential there. I do. Oh, God. I, and okay. I do have a fascination with bearded men. They look just, especially heels, right? They look just mean. Yeah. There's something mean about it. He's like Kozlov I, all over again, except Kozlov actually could work. Right. Thank you very much, Billy. Hope you're doing well out there, brother. Stay safe. Uh, next up, Brian asks, Hey, guys, thought it'd be interesting to hear how you'd book a feud between Minoru Suzuki of the past several years against Stone Cold Steve Austin oh. from the Attitude Era. Oh. Assuming Vince wouldn't try and have Suzuki speak English, no. How would you book it? Oh my God. Um. So the thing about Suzuki is, he doesn't mind losing as long as you kick the shit out of him to do it, and you take your own ass whooping in the process. Yeah. I don't think Austin would have a hard time with that. You have Suzuki come out there and just murder people. Suzuki, the great thing about him is he doesn't have to talk. Like he's a great promo. He's a scary promo. Um, I would actually argue that Asuka has taken a lot of cues from him. She's a little bit more animated and a little bit louder, but he does very similar things where he comes out there and, and basically in Japanese says, you think you're something? I'm going to rip your legs off. I'll kill you, and I'm going to smile while I do it. Um, I think the, the only downside is Austin is so much bigger than Minoru Suzuki. Suzuki is, he's a medium to bigger size guy for Japan. Well, in the States, he wouldn't be big. No. So, so next to Austin, it wouldn't be as believable unless you brought in the nature of Suzuki's MMA background. And you show that this guy is basically a mat technician and he can rip you apart from any position that he wants. Um, and have it kind of the way that, that Suzuki took out Tanahashi about two years ago, yeah. where he essentially ripped off the guy's arm. Um, or was it his leg? Well, it was one of, I think it was his arm, because at the time, Tanahashi genuinely had an arm injury. Um, have him do that, where he comes out there, works some squash matches, you know, kills some of the cameramen at ringside, a la Lance Archer, a la what, what Suzuki's been doing for years, and Archer's kind of ripping off. Um, have Suzuki work some squashes. Have him maybe even legit beat Ken Shamrock at the time, uh, you know, if we're going back to the 90s on this, which he legit did, um, put him over as a guy who can rip a leg or an arm off, and it doesn't matter how big you are, he can take you out. Um, and then have that would be a credible threat for, for Austin. The difference is Austin at the time in the 90s was so much more of a dynamic brawler. And, and Suzuki can brawl, but I don't know if against Austin that's what he should have been doing because he would have been so much smaller, it would have been harder to believe. Although I guess, you know, Suzuki and Moxley would have been a really good template for it because Moxley is kind of in that yeah. stone-cold brawling style where he can get technical, but mostly a brawler. He's a brawler with, like, a move. 
You know what? I would actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with that. I'm going to say build it kind of the way that they did Moxley and Suzuki, where they just want to beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. Remember how much they're like, they're like, they were button heads and just laughing at each other? Trading shots, all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, a worthy opponent kind of thing. All right, so uh, you've triggered Esme, and she needs to hear. She's with 301 in the tip jar. She needs to hear a, a Destino. Destino! Destino! There you go. I my do my favorites Kelly. are with, with Kevin, Kevin Kelly. Destino! No! <laughs> no! Yeah, that's oh, exactly. <laughs> uh, I miss New Japan, too. Yeah, definitely miss it. Uh, thank you very much, Brad. I, well, the last thing I'll say about Austin and Suzuki, I look at the caliber of draws that they are, like Austin, six to nine million viewership at the height of him in the Attitude Era. But you also got to attribute some of that to the, the the Rock, DX, all of the stuff that was going on in that time frame. But if you look at top-tier Austin, I could see a little Minoru Suzuki coming up and challenging him and just jaw-jacking. Maybe yelling at him in Japanese like Asuka does. Now. Yeah. yeah. And eventually just never taking any shit from Austin, but Austin can never get his hands on him properly. And so he's, Austin he, he's, he's dodging, right? Eventually the crowd... Eventually the crowd... Oh, that's really good. Eventually the crowd comes around, and, you know, event, it's at some point, uh, the whole crowd's chanting Kaza Ninane as, as, as Suzuki's coming out. <laughs> and this, the, the whole place is blowing up, and the, Austin's feeling dejected, and uh, you have this huge bout. I, I would watch the shit out of that, man. Yeah. Put it in my eye holes! No shit. Thank you, Brian. Uh, that's the way I would book it. Last, but certainly... <laughs> Kyle, Kyle had a really funny one. When Suzuki talks in Japanese, Austin just goes, What? Yeah. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, God, that'd be terrible to bury him. Anyway, yes, but that is funny. <laughs> oh, right. last but certainly not least, Marshall, the men in black have erased your memory and everything you know about wrestling is gone. Oh, What do you believe would catch your attention with today's wrestling now that your slate has been wiped clean? Thank you guys for all the positivity y'all provide, even when sometimes we are face-to-face with pure negativity. Thank you, Marshall. Mm, um, what would catch your attention in today's environment? Like, if you, if you had never seen... Or heard Two, of pro wrestling. Uh, 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 Becky Lynch actually would catch my attention. Becky Lynch would catch my attention. Um, fiery, spunky, redhead champion. Take no shit. Drew McIntyre, Scottish champion. Uh, you know Scottish history. You know, I, so I'd, I'd be all about a Scottish champion if I if I hadn't watched in years. Like, oh hell yeah, Scottish champion. All about it. Um, I think that AEW would catch my attention because it would be something new. And if I hadn't watched in a while, like I would have never seen the styles of wrestling that they like. Orange Cassidy would pop for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've yeah. never seen anything like that. Um, yeah. Uh, I think my reflections would be the same as they are today, where I like specimens. Like I, the reason that I like I like Hoss matches is because they're giants. They're big right. dudes. And I was, I'd be like, almost like the circus. Like, where do they find these people? Oh my God, that dude's like four hundred pounds and seven feet tall. Jesus Christ! Where they, that's that's what would catch my eye. So I'm, I'm looking at guys like Kane, Undertaker, uh, sure, you know, Otis or Brock or Braun. Right? These these specimens of Keith, individuals. Keith Lee. Keith, Keith Lee. Lee is Cal- Cal- right. Yeah. 
So uh, all of that would it'd, it'd be the thing that, that would catch my eye. I would want to go see these guys do crazy flippy shit, even though they shouldn't be able to. Yeah. Um, I actually, I, I have a very good friend who is one of my old wrestling buddies who's actually been out of wrestling ever since Roman won the Royal Rumble. He just was like, I'm out. Yep. Uh, that was about, and that was about five or six years ago. And he's kind of like, you know, he dipped his toes in every once in a while, but he hasn't kept up at all. But he watched WrestleMania this year. And you know who stuck out more than anyone else for him? Aleister Black. He said that of anybody, Alistair popped for him. Like the way he walks, the way he moves, his outfit, his music, everything about, he's like, who the hell is that? So I, and I think that would definitely be my reaction too if I saw Alistair out of nowhere. Yeah. Hey man, I, you know, I would, I would, I would, like, that ticks all the boxes. I think the biggest so. mistake they ever made with Roman was taking his vest off and exposing that he had the chest of Kofi Kingston hiding under there. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying. That's just that's cool. He could bench press you, man. Come on. Oh, he could try. <laughs> I'm I'm not small. They're getting all hard over here. Yeah, he could try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, Marshall, and thank you guys all for joining us here today for number thirty. Episode yeah. number 30 of the Patron Mailbag. If you guys would mm. like to get your questions in every week, you can head over to patreon.com slash BWO and just sign up for that $5 tier. That's all you need. You $5. Also, get, also, you get copies of the show notes for every single episode, plus the ability to play in our Patron Pick'ems, bonus episodes at the $10 tier, Skype calls. You can be a co-producer on the show if you want to, which we've got a couple of guys now that we have to work out new segments for in the month of May. So stay tuned for those. I'm excited to see what those guys come up with trey and jesse we'll see what you guys come up with this month uh let's see all the stuff that you want to follow us on you can find over at bwopodcast.com but get in the discord that's the place to be especially since we are one week away from the money in the bank pay-per-view and all of those climbing the corporate ladder ladder matches Oh, man, that's going to be interesting to see how they play all of that. But we will have a live chat going for that, plus all of the shows throughout the week. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BWO Podcast, and come find us on Facebook and join the rest of the phenomenal ones in the BWO discussion group. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And you know what Marshall says? $2 in the tip jar says, don't push the red button, the shiny candy-like button. Don't push it. I am Surrey and Dangerous. Like you can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. But you messed the whole thing up. I gotta stop the damage! <laughs> this show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com.